This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. Following the attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, it became clear this year to many that the front line in the battle against anti-Semitism and hate is the battle against extremists. And extremist groups such as the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers were only emboldened by their success on January 6th. But ADL has not rested for a moment and recently announced that they will take the extraordinary step of serving as co-counsel on a lawsuit in connection with the January 6th attacks. Here to tell us about this historic lawsuit is Eileen Hershnob, ADL's Senior Vice President for Policy and the Attorney of Record on the complaint representing ADL. Welcome, Eileen, to From the Front Lines. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. Let's start with the basics. Who is suing whom in this case? The District of Columbia, the municipality, is the plaintiff. And it is suing, it has brought this civil lawsuit against the organization of the Proud Boys, the organization of the Oath Keepers, and as of now, 31 individual members affiliated with either the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers. And then we have a whole bunch of defendants who are John Doe's because we fully expect that during discovery, we will find more individuals who conspired and executed the attack on the Capitol who are affiliated with the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. We all saw the images that there were hundreds of people that day who stormed the Capitol. Why is it limited to, to these people? Well, you're right. Uh, there actually are over 750 people have been arrested by the Department of Justice. But what we're looking for right now is those people who organized together to conspire to disrupt a lawful presidential election, who are connected with these particular violent groups. They are not the only ones that are responsible, and we'll find out more and more about that. But they are key, and they continue, as you mentioned in your introduction, to use violent extremist threats and actions to disrupt government at all levels. So I think it's very important to target these particular groups. As you said, it's uh, it's a civil suit. It's not a criminal complaint. What what damages are being sought? Well, I think the damages are going to be in the tens of millions of dollars because the District of Columbia first had to send its metropolitan police there and had to pay a lot of extra salaries. Second, it's now dealing with police who were injured and unfortunately even some that died as a result. And there are expenses with that. There are a large number of police that are on medical leave and are continuing to need various types of medical treatment. There also was vandalism to property and other injuries. So uh, it's already been reported that there are tens of millions of dollars of dollars of damages, and we will be finding out exactly what that number is as we move forward. It it really sounds like uh, the victims primarily were law enforcement. Would you say that the municipality is really bringing this lawsuit on behalf of the many law enforcement officers who were physically or or mentally harmed that day? Absolutely. And uh, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine has made that very clear. Now, there are other lawsuits arising out of that attack. For example, there's another lawsuit brought on behalf of some of the Congress people who were threatened, whose lives were in danger. Uh, and there's a, there are other lawsuits uh, of various sorts coming out of that. But this is the only one that is for the District of Columbia. And again, it's suing really uh, largely on behalf of its police force, of its men and women in blue. 
How common is it for a municipality to bring such a civil suit? This is actually unprecedented, Scott. This is the first time that a municipality is using a Reconstruction Era 1870 KKK Act case to try to hold violent extremists responsible for conspiring, planning, and executing uh, an attack designed to stop elected officials from carrying out their duties. So we've seen these laws used before, and we've seen individuals um, use the laws. Most recently uh, in Charlottesville and against the KKK uh, back a few decades ago in Alabama, but this is the first time a municipality is. And that's really important because when these kind of things happen in a place, one of the tools that you want a municipality, a town, a village, a city to have is the ability to be able to go after these extremists and to hopefully bankrupt them and get and hold them accountable, get damages, and make sure that the financial harms they caused are compensated. Integrity First for America, as you said, used this Ku Klux Klan Act to uh, to sue the neo Nazis who marched in Charlottesville, and they were victorious. Uh, to to what degree did that sort of buttress the municipality or the the intention to go ahead with this lawsuit? Well, that was an inspiration. I mean, we started planning this lawsuit a while ago, uh, and um, and so we looked at that as an inspiration. Now, in that case, by the way, they, like we, like we in our suit, had both the KKK Act cases and then state uh, conspiracy claims. And actually, the win there was on the state conspiracy claims. We're suing under a different part of the KKK Act, but absolutely it was one of the inspirations for us. And here, you're not only going to rely on ADL's civil rights team, but also on ADL's Center on Extremism, who's tracking these extremists and their activities since long before January 6th. Tell us about ADL's investigative role here. Absolutely, and that's why we're in this suit, because we've been tracking these groups and the individuals involved with them for many years. And in fact, much of the work from our Center on Extremism makes up the allegations, the factual allegations in this lawsuit. And that's a public record that anyone can look up. So, in fact, uh, the District of Columbia wanted us to come in and represent them along with some other pro bono counsel, in large part because of the work we did identifying these folks, understanding how they conspired and planned, really in plain sight, to be honest, uh, this insurrection and to bring that expertise as well as our legal expertise to the table in bringing this suit. And how common is it for ADL to be co-counsel on a case like this? Well, it's something we used to do but haven't done in a few decades, actually. We're very active legally. We file friend-of-the-court briefs and cases having to do with anti-Semitism, racial justice, church, state, a variety of other issues. And we're also a plaintiff in a number of lawsuits, an actual party, such as in some voting rights cases in the South. But this is the first time in about 30 years that we've actually been co-counsel in a case. So this is a big thing and an important tool in our toolkit against violent extremists. And what do you expect the timeline to be? How long is it going to take to get to trial and, and what are some of the hurdles? Well, these things are not fast. So, um, I think this will be at least two and possibly three years. If you look at the Charlottesville case, that went to trial four years after it was filed. But uh, over a year of that delay was really caused by COVID, and I hope we will not face the same thing. But what's happening right now is we're trying to serve the papers 
on the various defendants. And that takes a while because a lot of these folks move around, don't keep an address, try to evade service. So we will serve them, and then we will see who responds. For those that don't respond and don't show up, uh, we hope to get a default judgment against them. And that's okay because that means that we'll be chasing them down for the rest of their lives until they satisfy the judgment. And their assets and their income will be ours to go after until that judgment is satisfied. That's a really important message to send, but it takes a while. So I would say it will be a minimum of a year and a half to maybe two and a half years before we go to trial. And hopefully we'll have some good judgments before then against some of the uh, defendants. So it sounds like your goal is really to uh, not only to bankrupt these people, but to uh, offer a real deterrent to anybody who's contemplating such extremist activity. Yes, Scott, and I think that's particularly important now because what our Center on Extremists and other experts are seeing is that there has unfortunately been a tremendous mainstreaming and normalizing of this type of conspiracy theory that fuels these violent extremists. And I think that deterrence is always important, and we know it works up to a point. But here, where you have people that were not before involved in violent extremist groups or with those ideologies, more and more adhering to them, I think this message of if you do this and if you act out on this and cause injury to people and to property, we will go after you. We will get a judgment against you, and any assets and income you have will be subject to that judgment. We wish you great success, and I, I know that I speak for all of the staff uh, of ADL and many ADL supporters around the world when I say what a proud moment this is for, for all of us. But thank you for this courageous lawsuit. Thank you for all you do to fight anti-Semitism and hate. And thanks, Eileen, for being on today's show. Thank you, Scott. Happy holidays to your audience. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.